What's up guys and welcome to this week's episode of the We Out Here Pro Vibing podcast where we're just out here pro vibing. I'm Zach and I'm Nat and we hope you've had an awesome week in our final week of the Cardiff lockdown. This week we're joined by such a special guest Laura. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? Hi I'm good yeah how are you? I'm very well. Um, Now Laura uh, tell us some things about you that everyone should know about you. Um, so I'm in my second year of uni doing theology um, and when I'm not studying or reading for my degree um, my favourite things are hanging out in coffee shops with my friends although sadly I've not been able to do much of that lately due to Covid but I have been able to go on some lovely long walks which is great. Lovely and one other thing as well that everyone needs to know is Laura wears hoops and Laura's hoops are Laura's hoops. This is so <laughs> true. I've, I found that this is a defining feature that everyone has picked up on that <laughs> I, really I'm is. rarely, really very rarely seen without my hoops in. Not many people can pull it off, but you really, really <laughs> can, honestly. I Certainly appreciate do, that. Yeah, yeah and be- before we get into this week's episode, Laura, you've probably heard, but we have to ask you, what is the tune that you have been listening to this week? Good question. This week I have been listening to a song called Good To Me by Russ Moore and Sho Baraka. It's so good. It's really such a bop and a great way to start your day. What about you, Nat? For me, it has to be um, this song called Getting Ready. And I know we hype up Maverick City all the time, but they've combined forces with Upper Room, which is also another big church in America where they do lots and lots of worship. So they released this song literally 24 hours ago um yeah so have a listen to it it is 18 minutes but it's worth every single minute so yeah. 18 minutes for a song <laughs> it's worth it honestly honestly how about you zach madness um i would recommend so i've been listening to a song called speak to the silence by will regan and united pursuit and again it's just unreal it's like proper amazing worship leader proper like gospel choir um the whole album's good, would recommend, it's called Tell All My Friends. Lovely stuff. Um, well, let's get into our topic this week, which is all about sexuality and identity. So, to start us off, Laura, as it's quite close to your heart, um, could you tell us a little bit about your, your story? Yeah, sure. So, um, I was raised in an atheist or agnostic home, and my parents had different beliefs, um, and I'd always really loved studying RE, religious education, at school, so I started going along Um, to church with a friend uh, because I had an interest in it Um, and I really just loved asking questions about religion while I was there and I had a really good positive experience um, until one time I brought up the fact that I was gay after there was a talk on that topic. Um, The response wasn't great um, and what I understood was that I was being offered prayer uh, to change my sexuality Um, unsurprisingly I didn't go back to that church um, and soon after became best friends with um, another girl who was a Christian and she invited me along to her youth group which I was skeptical about to start with Um, but I went with her and it was just so good we read the bible together I took part in sung worship um, and started going along to their church services and got invited to their weekend away Um, and yeah really started to believe what the bible said about Jesus um, but I, I didn't think I could be a Christian um, cause I, because I was gay. Um, and I don't think that becoming a Christian is based on one single prayer that I said once um, and that was it. But before going to a summer camp called Soul Survivor, which I'm sure lots of people have heard of, um, 
I was prayed for by a stranger um, who told me that she felt God saying that he loved me and that I could come as I was to him. Um, I believe that to be true and accepted Christ into my life for the first time, not really knowing what I was letting myself in for, but that was the first time I said yes to Jesus. Wow. That's awesome. Oh. Um, yeah, Soul Survivor, I, I can relate. That's some of the best times of my life. Um, and what do you think uh, the difference with, so your first experience at, at, that, at that first church where you can go back to, and then your later experiences with Soul Survivor and, the, and your youth group, was, it, was there a noticeable difference? Yes, yeah, so um, the first church I went to was a really lovely church and I was really welcomed there. Um, it was just an unfortunate interaction that I had with a member of the church who didn't know how to respond to um, me telling her that I was gay. Um, and also at this second youth group I went to, um, I found that the youth leaders, who I'm still friends with to this day, um, took the time to answer my questions and other people who came to the youth group and um, whether they usually went to church or not, they took the time to answer the questions. And if they didn't know, they would generally go away and think about it and read about it and come back to us with an answer. And um, I just felt really at home there. And I knew I was welcome to come along as I pleased and to go along to church, whether I wanted to or not. Yeah, that's amazing. And I, I just really want to thank you for being honest and everything. And as we've touched on it, the different kind of churches um, is quite a big issue in the church that a lot of different churches have quite differing opinions. So I just wanted to ask for those who are listening who don't really know like where the church's stance is on, you know, um, on the topic of gay people. I just wanted to ask, could you just explain to us like what the different views in the church are? Yeah, sure. So um, there are three main schools of thought, we could call them, on this issue. Um, and they're called sides, um, which can sound like they're up against each other and fighting, but that generally tends not to be the case, thank goodness. Um, so the side A, which um, which people who hold to this believe that neither same-sex attraction nor same-sex sexual activity is a sin, and that holiness can include uh, a monogamous same-sex re- uh, long-term relationship or marriage. There is side B, which affirms that same-sex attraction is allowed or even designed by God, but that the Bible doesn't permit same-sex sexual activity. And side X, which is sometimes also known as ex-gay, um, which believes that as people submit to Christ, they can expect freedom from same-sex attraction and that moving towards holiness coincides with moving towards heterosexuality. Obviously, there is a lot more nuance than these terms allow for. Um, but these are the simplest ways to describe the three key theological approaches in the church. Mm, thank you very much. And I also just wanted to ask, like, it's about the terminology that people use in the church. So we touched, as we were planning, just on the differences in the terms using gay and also same-sex attracted. So could you just go into a bit more detail with that? Yeah, um, so different people will take different um, opinions on which terms to use. Uh, That includes straight people, heterosexual people, and those who um, would identify as being same-sex attracted, as not being straight. Um, Even here, I'm using different terminology to try and explain. Um, But some would view, um, as a Christian, the fact that we shouldn't use the term gay because it could be putting our identity in our sexuality and is using terminology that is used by the world or the culture around us. Um, so some Christians who experience same-sex attract- attraction um, do choose to use the terminology same-sex attracted just to 
um, differ from the traditional LGBT terminology. Um, however, neither of these are an identity because as Christians, as I'm sure we will talk about, um, our identity is in Christ. And yeah, there are different opinions within the church and within um, Christ- Christian community who do experience same-sex attraction, uh, which terms we should use. Um, and there are different arguments for and against it. I tend to use um, the term gay or queer because I'm comfortable using that language and it's the language I'm used to. I don't see it as putting my identity in it. I see it as a descriptor and a way of explaining um, my experience in the church and how I interact with the world around me. Um, but some people prefer to use same-sex attracted because that's what they're comfortable with and what they're more used to. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, no, that's super clear. Um, can we also talk about so some stigma that either you yourself or gay people generally uh, can have like experience within the church? What is stigma, and what specific examples might you um, come across with like with people in the church? Hmm. I I'm not sure I can come with a a good definition of the word stigma, but I suppose the best way of explaining it is um, when something isn't talked about. Um, there is negative, but usually negative connotations attached to it, um, that if the word is brought up, for example, like someone is gay, there are automatic assumptions that might come into that person's head, um, especially because it's not spoken about regularly in the church. Um, and there can be a lot of stigma in the church surrounding being gay or being same-sex attracted due to a history of relations between the church and the LGBT community, how the church particularly in the US, has responded to crisis, crises such as the AIDS crisis and stuff. Um, and there can also be a lot of fear, not of necessarily of gay people, but of using the wrong language and the wrong terminology um, within the church and for fear of offending people, for fear of turning people away or simply not knowing how to interact with people um, who believe different, different than them. So, um, yeah, this can often be the case in the church in terms of um of thinking gay people are maybe trying to attack the church's beliefs and that gay christianity as it is sometimes being called is a whole other belief system when really those of us that are christian and also would describe ourselves describes ourselves as gay um we're not trying to form a new type of christianity um it is simply one aspect of uh, ourselves I think that's so interesting and like so important because there aren't different types of Christian we're all the same you know our relationship Jesus is never going to change compared to your sexuality and uh, we're going to do an episode about racism soon as well but there's not sorry I'm sorry but there's not a Korean Jesus like you know Mm. um, and there's not a white Jesus or anything like that so I don't think um, I don't know why there should be a different type of Christianity for those who are a different sexuality either. So thank you for bringing that up as well. Um, and I just wanted to move on and ask you, because um, we've talked about the views of different churches, but I just wanted to ask you a little bit about what your views are. Yeah, so um, personally, I probably fall into the category, as I mentioned, of being side B. Um, I made the decision about 15 months ago after a lot of wrestling with scripture and difficult conversations with trusted friends who are also Christians, um, that I was going to make a commitment to staying celibate um, unless I felt God leading me otherwise. 
Um, what, so, I'm sorry, what does celibate mean for just someone? Oh, yeah, it's a very good question. Um, yes, yeah, so celibacy has different meanings depending on the context you're talking about. But in this context, um, talking about um, refraining from sexual activity, um, some people will say they're staying celibate until marriage, um, as in they are deciding to wait until marriage to have sex, but celibacy can also be for life. Um, so it means refraining from sexual activity um, and trying to remain sexually pure as the Bible talks about it. Um, yeah, so I made that decision about 15 months ago um, that I was going to make a commitment to staying celibate. Um, because since becoming a Christian three and a half years ago, my points of view on this specific area of theology um, has shifted frequently from what I called side A to side X um, and back again. But last summer, I first discovered this side B position. Um, initially, I hated it and I was really angry um, because last summer became a very difficult one. I was really like wrestling with God and not understanding how um, what I understood him to be saying no to marriage for me. Um, I couldn't understand that. And um, a God eventually revealed the beauty of celibacy to me, along with the beauty of marriage as per his design. Um, between a man and a woman for life. Um, I read some books, including A War of Loves by David Bennett, which is a really good book, which I highly recommend, um, and listened to another great podcast called The Life on Side B. Um, and both of these were just life-changing. Like, once I started listening to them and reading this book, like, I couldn't put it down. Um, when I made this decision, it wasn't a pub public declaration or, like, a lifelong commitment that I couldn't turn around from. Um, it was simply a conversation between me and God, um, which I wasn't forced into, but was led to by God because I knew and still know now that my accountability is to God and that he calls the shots in my life. And if he was saying that this was um, what his design is and this is what's best for me, then who was I to argue with him, the creator of the universe? And since then, he's been revealing to me the beauty in that, that it isn't a, um, a life sentence. It is really a beautiful thing just like marriage is that's so cool yeah um i think also like when you when you deep it really who who also was celibate jesus was celibate. <laughs> you know what i mean like and as as a christian there's no greater role model regardless of your views where you come from jesus is the ultimate role model um, as a word, amen as a word and and he was celibate and it, it truly it's not some people take it the wrong way in terms of like, oh, you're celibate, you're missing out. And that's that's not the case. I, we just got to clear that up, that that is not... Um, it's not missing out because it is different does not mean it is better or worse than than marriage or, you know, sexual relations or whatever. But there there are things, there are great freedoms that you can experience that are, are for celibacy that you married people don't experience. And God's got... I, I know especially for you, Laura, but also for anyone who is pursuing celibacy or is just celibate, like, God, God's got the best plan. And his purpose doesn't lie in, in marriage. It, if you're called to celibacy, you're fine. Like, God's got something for you there and it's going to be unreal, which yeah, is awesome. That's so yeah. true. And I, it's a slight juxtaposition, but the fact of saying that we believe there is more freedom within the boundaries that we believe that God has set for us. And I just think that that is so, so true. And... Yeah, again, thank you so much for speaking about that, Laura. But... So, Laura, um, what do you think about marriage? Marriage 
is great. Like, I can't say I've experienced it myself, but um, from what I can see... (laughs) um, We're all on the same page then. Um, From what I can see in scripture, marriage is a beautiful thing that um, God has designed um, to be a reflection of the greatest marriage, which is the marriage between Christ and his church. Um, Yeah, so I think marriage is great and um, scripture doesn't talk about um sexual orientation in the way that we often talk about it today um there can be a rhetoric that's like gay people should stay celibate straight people should get married um but the scripture doesn't see this and as you've already said jesus was celibate himself and paul was celibate who writes about singleness um scripture doesn't say that everyone should get married but in fact um paul speaks so highly of singleness and that he wishes everyone would be single obviously in reality we don't live this out because families are great and families are great for raising kids in and for being a picture of the relationship between christ and the church but single people also get to live out this metaphor in a different way by serving those around them and um, being a picture of what we will all be like in the new heaven and the new earth and that um relationship between us as individuals and us as the church um with christ that's so so good that's so good um yeah and i just wanted to ask again about um because we've touched on church and also how society views the church's views you know on those who are gay and a christian and i just wanted to ask what do you think are some things that the church needs to understand or maybe needs to take on board about those who are gay and a christian I think maybe there are four key aspects um, that maybe the church has missed um, or needs to understand. Um, That one, being gay might not be the individual's number one issue, for want of a better word. Uh, There might be other things going on in their life that are far more prominent and far more at the top of their priority list when they're walking into a church for the first time or asking for prayer. And we can often, everyone can often be um, at fault of making an assumption about what that person wants prayer for or what the number one difficulty in their life is. And um, this can often be the case in situations of sexuality as well. If someone who is same-sex attracted comes to us and asks for prayer, how, how often are we quick to assume that they want prayer in relation to their sexuality? So I think being really aware of that is important. Um, also, in terms of preaching in the church, I think the church, and this is using a quote from um, an author and a ministry leader who I really admire, Laurie Krieg, um, that we need to stop preaching that God loves us and has a wonderful man or wife for our life, but we need to preach that God loves us and has a wonderful disciple-making plan. Um, And in scripture, we don't see this promise of marriage for every single person. We don't see promise of marriage for anyone but we do see a promise that God loves us and that God has a plan for our lives and the church I think needs to be talking about this more that that is more important than a potential future husband or wife. Um, In the church we've become so comfortable with and more comfortable with people changing um, rather than loving them where they're at and loving people different than us Um, and yes scripture we all go to a church that really likes this phrase phrase come as you are but don't stay as you are but we can often 
manipula manipulate that into being more comfortable with those people changing and not fully loving them until they're at that point. This isn't me saying that gay people need to change, need to change their sexuality. I'm not advocating for that at all. Um, but as a church, we need to be aware that there is room for loving people different than us. And finally, being aware that not everyone is going to agree with us and we need to show grace and love to those individuals regardless. This doesn't mean staying in abusive situations. It doesn't mean compromising your health or your safety. Um, but that being aware that we're all coming around the gospel truth of Jesus being the son of God who died and resurrected um, for our sins. But that on other issues, we are going to disagree, but we still need to show the same love and grace that God has shown us to those people. Yeah, absolutely fire, Laura. That's like insane. Um, you touched on it briefly, but I think also like one thing for the church as well is very people. Some people are very quick to subconsciously pass judgments, um, which inform how they treat, uh, whether that's gay people or any any other people for any differences. But I think it's very clear that uh, you look at scripture, and it's very clear that like God says, leave the judge. Judgment's for him and it's not for us to do. Um, we're not here to judge other people, other other people's sins, any of that. That's not it's not something we should be doing. Um, and to love someone well, you, you cannot judge someone and love someone well at the same time. Um, so I think that's a big part of it. Um, we've touched a little bit on identity and I kind of want to go into that a little bit. Um, so, Laura, what what is identity? And how does our identity kind of shape the way we live and we think? Um, yeah, so our identity is what forms up us. Like, where do we find our value? Where are we finding our significance? And um, all of us will find aspects of our identity and our significance in lots of different things. Uh, but as Christians, we ultimately believe that our identity should be rooted in Christ, um, in the Son of God who literally died for us and deserves our praise and um yeah it deserves our praise so that's where we find our identity which means that when we are seeking value and when we are seeking approval that ultimately we look to christ for that um and there are lots of things in the world that can tempt us to put our identity in them um for example sexuality for example relationships or um degrees or jobs but those things are all material and they're all going to pass away um whether on this side of heaven because we change jobs or we um lose a relationship or in the new heaven and new earth those things will no longer remain and we will only have christ um so if we don't root identity in that then we are risking we are risking losing everything at some point so why don't we believe like as christians we believe that that's the thing we should put identity in so that it is eternal there is a lot of talk at the moment about culture and about the world and we're right to be aware of the influence that the world and culture is having on us um but ultimately these things in the world and in culture they are important and we need to think about them and scripture tells us to be aware of the influence they're having 
on our life because we need to be informed by society, not influenced by it. If we don't know what's going on in the world around us, then how can we speak Jesus into those situations but we can't allow ourselves, as scripture says, to be conformed to the ways of the world? That is so good. And I just think um, being informed is so important in the way of, for example, sexuality and also mental health is obviously another big, big topic at the moment. And I just think... Although, yes, not being influenced by by that and by society, but also being informed is crucial because otherwise we don't know what to talk about. And that means that we don't talk about it. And the lack of discussion, as we mentioned before, brings up things like stigma and people that it's not their fault. You know, obviously there aren't that many people who do these things maliciously, but it does lead to some kind of, as we talked about, subconscious um, maybe slight judgment and just a lack of experience in terms of talking to those who are um, going through this in their journey. Um, and I just think we can be informed and stay rooted in Jesus absolutely because we are called to do that. We're not called to be separate from everything um, that we are living in, but be more involved, but just have that Jesus worldview and that um, Jesus mindset and yeah, stick rooted to that. And I just loved what you said about placing our identity in something eternal because, as you said, um, we touched on it last week, Zach, or maybe the week before, about um, not placing our identity, especially in maybe the course we're in, as I think a lot of people listening might be uni students. Um, and these are all things that, you know, might not end up happening or it might go wrong. It might be great, but it will end one day. And I just think... The moment our identity is rooted in the eternity that Jesus promises, then there's nothing that can stop us. And he will help us every step of the way as well. So, yeah, really, really like that phrase. I think we should hear it again. Be informed by society, but not influenced. Yeah, so. Definitely. Definitely. I think it's, is it, I want to say Isaiah 40 verse 6, but that could be way off. Uh, it's like the, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God endures forever. Like, mm. Um, and that's placing your identity on the word of God that remains forever is just set, setting the strong foundation that from that you can have your identity rooted in something immovable, everlasting. Um, and that's the way to go, really. Um, uh, Laura, one more question. It's kind of a question, but the phrase Jesus didn't come to make us straight. He came to save us. Can you expand on that a bit? Yeah, amen. Just I, nowhere in scripture does Jesus say he's, does God say that he sent Jesus to come and change our sexuality specifically? He didn't say, um, I, I gave you my one and only son so that he could make you straight. He came to save us from our sin, um, to have relationship with us and to give us life eternal. Um, so we need to stop preaching that that's what Jesus came to do. Um, he came to save us from our sin and those sins are diverse and they are broad. Um, and I don't believe one of them is being same sex attracted. Um, but we need to place the emphasis on Jesus coming to save us and not on him coming to change people's sexuality because we just, we just keep turning people away. Um, and we need to get back to the gospel and to use another phrase from our church, which they really love. We can never grad, we never graduate the gospel, um, so we need to keep reminding people of the real reason Jesus came. Absolutely, and I just think, just before we finish, just to touch on, you know, if someone does come struggling with depression, anxiety, if someone comes struggling with 
alcoholism or addiction or any of these things, we shouldn't be thinking, um, how do we fix that or how should we help them get over that? The first thought that we should have is pointing them to Jesus and just showing how much he loves them. That is the point. It's not... It's not praying for them so that they can be, you know, free of that. That is not the point at all. It's just to show them and lead them to Jesus and show them how much he loves them. So I just think that is a that is an awesome kind of thing to finish on. Um, so thank you so, so much, Laura. I think that's just been amazing. I think loads of people will appreciate. So thank you. Yeah, just before we finish, before we go, Laura, we just wanted to gas you up a little bit. You're absolutely <laughs> like... Unreal, you have the best speaking voice, you genuinely. Do. Like, you, you should do. consider that. I love how mm. much, like, you know your, your scripture and you're rooted in God's word. Like, that is something that's, like, absolutely been shining out. And honestly, like, we've absolutely loved having you on the podcast. It's been unreal. Yeah, Thank I don't you know so about you, Zach, but me. it just felt like I was listening to a podcast whilst recording. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Genuinely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I really appreciate you guys having me on and having this conversation. Yeah, definitely. That's that's all we, we want to do is open up a conversation because these things really do need to be talked about. Just before we go, I want to give a special shout out to my friend Meg, who has an Instagram account she is very proud of. And as a house, we are very proud of it as well. So go follow her on Instagram. She rates sources. It's at Saucy Meggy. Go give her a follow and check out the reviews. <laughs> that's class. Go check that out. <laughs> Um, but yeah guys it's been an absolute blast we hope you enjoy listening to it as much as we've enjoyed having this conversation yes and we hope you have a vibey and wholesome week